fanficmedia.com presents Beyond the Wall, a Game of Thrones podcast. With hosts, Christiana Ellis, Chuch Schubert, Vivid Muse, and Nookchus. Hello, welcome everybody to season eight of Beyond the Wall. Tonight we're discussing episode three of Game of Thrones season eight, titled The Long Night, with no spoilers past the currently aired episodes. And as always, I'm Chooch, uh, joined by Christiana Ellis. Hello. And Nutty Nukjus. Greetings, everyone. Hey there. Unfortunately, Viv cannot join us tonight. She's under the weather. Um, she did make it through the battle, though. She's um, she's good, and I do have her notes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, a little bit of a surprise. We were just streaming last night, um, but this is our new uh, time and place and date yeah. since we're all on the same continent again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Even though I am still heavily jet lagged, like <laughs> no words good for things <laughs> i don't know it might be okay but yeah right. that's fair it's understandable <laughs> uh so this was the big battle we've been looking forward to and um yeah. like the uh you know the the biggest uh deadliest threat in the entire world mm-hmm. um, done yeah <laughs> <laughs> we're on the other side of that whole thing wow and uh we mm-hmm. we definitely lost some some loved ones along the way but, not too um, many i mean lots of non-named characters yeah. but not mm-hmm. too many well i think fewer for sure than a lot of people were guessing mm-hmm. and it occurred to me after the fact that a lot of the predictions that like tons of people were going to die were really kind of all based on this idea that somehow Game of Thrones is the show that kills named characters. And surely this is the time when they would do that. Right. But it was all about like fandom hyping up its own expectations Mm -hmm. much more than the show ever promised that. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. I do think that at least one of, I don't know, you know, like, the two names we lost were Theon and Jorah. Well, Melisandre. Like, yeah, Leanna. but she yeah. had already left. And <laughs> she was never, like, I don't know, in the core. Yeah. Um, and, and she didn't so much die as she, like, yeah. turned to dust. She accomplished <laughs> her task. Well, know? yeah, so I guess what, in some ways, I think what we're talking about here is, like, like good guys, like hero yeah. characters, whereas she was yeah. always more ambiguous, even though she kind of came back with sort of a fairly unambiguously helpful turn in this particular episode. It was also kind of framed as a little bit like this was, you know, this was the redemption for the dark things that had happened, but nonetheless, it did not like earn it back. So like yeah. the, she was spending her last. That. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and she, every- she, you know, she said, "Sir Davos, there's no need to execute me. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to live till morning." Yeah, she and ultimately, exactly what was happen. nothing she did affected anything other than, I guess, give Arya more time to get in place. 
Yeah, I think I think she was needed for Arya for sure. Um, I do I do want to say that I was watching the opening sequence and I saw Claire Van Houten, I think is her name, and I'm like, what? What? Yeah, she's gonna be here. Like, I did not expect her to be there. Yeah, her first name's like Carice or something. Oh, Carice. I'm sorry. Something. Yeah, no, I mean you're right. I I only am aware of it because I saw someone else mention it, and I was thinking to myself of like, oh yeah, that is a little bit of a weird first name, isn't it? Anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's just things that that I can recognize it if I see it, but I'm not gonna like it's. I'm not always gonna know their name, you know. Yeah, like I would say Maisie Williams or or something yeah. right. else. And my well, brain, you were more on it than I was. I didn't notice it. Also, my brain blanks all that out. I don't see any of it. <laughs> I don't notice the names. It's just I'm looking mm -hmm. at engravings and and action that's happening or whatever yeah. you know um <laughs> but and but i think we, as far as people who died i just think it, yeah. somebody more integral should have died and it should have happened very early in the episode to mm. really crank up expectations i did not have expectations that anybody really central was going to die and i was not surprised at any of the deaths that happened they were all mm. their arcs are already done Mm -hmm. you know I, I mean Jorah had a lovely under you know that was a wonderful yeah. Blow. yeah. you know I'm, I kind of thought like anybody could die and we were going to be and we were actually I was actually thinking okay uh, Arya's going to survive and maybe a couple more people like that we would have a few people I, I really thought we might lose half the people if George were writing it I think we would have lost half the people there um before we really get into this do we mm -hmm. want to address the lighting yeah mm -hmm. yeah i yeah. don't know what you all experienced apparently if you watched it on a tv screen you couldn't see anything yeah well i i mean i think what was clearly an aesthetic choice by the directors worked for some scenes but probably should have been made a different choice in other scenes. Uh, like my own personal take on it was that it really amped up the tension in the scenes where like they're outside the castle and it's so scary that you can't even see them coming. How yeah. close are they? We can't even tell like mm -hmm. that made it super scary. But then once we did transitions to the scenes where we're inside Winterfell, I really don't feel like they're, they, they, they easily could have justified better lighting. And I think I would have preferred that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for me, the I totally get the tension, but once the first wave of bad guys came, you don't need that anymore. And now yeah. it's just inconvenient and confusing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, I watch this on uh, the app called Crave up here in Canada. That's how you can get HBO without having uh, a full cable connection and streaming, you know, and over the air mm -hmm. channels. Um and for, unfortunately, even though Crave was constantly being advertised on my smart TV, the smart TV guy had died and mm. we bought a new one, not realizing that the LG smart TV didn't have the Crave app. <laughs> oh, no. Mm. So without hooking a computer up to my TV, I can't watch Game of Thrones, but I have two gigantic monitors on my computer. And so that's how I've been watching Game of Thrones. And when it was mm -hmm. too dark, I just switched it to the lighter monitor and yeah. everything was fine and I could see everything. But I just was hearing people who were watching it on TV, on TVs that like they couldn't see a thing. And when I yeah. had it on the one monitor, it was just a black screen. 
Well, like so, wondering yeah. about that. <laughs> and I, what I want to say though, is that like, although I am in agreement with the people who are complaining, it was too dark. I agree, but yeah. people figure out your brightness settings. This is not a big deal. I cranked mine and I still couldn't see shit. <laughs> well, yeah, it, I mean, a lot of it, obviously, like the decision of the fog is what like the that winter fog and everything mm -hmm. is like it was obviously something where like it makes sense within the story logic of the show as a tactical thing. And it really yeah. does like it was a significant impact on the battle, but it was also like we're trying to watch a show here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so in, in the world of 4K TVs and uh, you know, people viewing things on larger screens and different devices and all of these devices trying to make things look optimal. And I swear my new smart TV is darker than my last smart TV. Uh, I feel like that's got to be part of your visual direction. Yeah. When you're mm -hmm. making something that you know the majority of your viewers are watching on a TV screen, which is harder to adjust the settings than, say, a monitor. Uh, I feel like that's kind of something that you should that should be taken care of that should be thought about um unless you know maybe they're just designing this for all the people that illegally download it i don't know <laughs> well no i mean i i think was it was just they were going for an aesthetic and choice and it yeah. didn't it just didn't didn't entirely work you know and like went a little too far when they're previewing yeah. everything on yeah. production grade preview equipment and not right. right. Living I mean, room. I'll definitely say <laughs> that I finished my first viewing thinking that the fates of sev several characters were unknown. Mm -hmm. And then I realized on the rewatch, Oh wait, no, they're just in the background on that shot. When you see uh -huh. all of the, uh, all the yeah. bodies drop. Mm -hmm. So they are fine. I just couldn't see it the first time. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I do recall there was one time where there were people up on the wall and the dead were pulling them down. And one person, I was like, whoa, that's red hair. Wait a minute. And I had to go back and I was like, okay, it wasn't yeah. Torment. We're good. <laughs> uh, I am pretty sure that there are no named characters that died that we didn't see die. Yeah. I, mm -hmm. I think I, 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 don't recall, but I think somebody had said um, somewhere that uh, in the inside the episode, because I don't get those on Crave, uh, that mm. um, uh, the Denny awesome and Weiss had said that the only people that are dead died, on, you know, named characters died on yeah. screen. Mm -hmm. We're not going to kill anyone off screen and cheat you out of their death. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. I, so in particular, I thought, uh, so Grey Worm, Tormund, and Gendry were the ones that I didn't see the first mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. um, but on on reviewing, there is absolutely a shot where you can see them reacting to all of the whites dropping after yeah. the Night kill, uh, King was killed. But they're like, it's, they're, it's a long shot where they're like 35 feet away from the yeah. camera and it's still dark. And it's really only that you can kind of tell from their silhouette yeah. <laughs> who it is and when i saw gray worm survive i'm like how how did gray worm survive like there were so many times i'm like oh gray worm's dead nope the, there he is again wait no now yeah. he's dead no nope, well he retreated he in inside the castle um yeah uh, he was at, at the yeah. front 
and then he retreated and he was in. And right. then he was well, out the front and he's he's always out in front and yet he's always able to get in. I just We did we there was a there. shot of him coming inside the castle though. Yes. I mean we no, see no, no, that no. happen. I, I I I don't think that they cheated mm-hmm. in that the sense that they didn't show us something. I'm just saying that for somebody who's constantly standing in front of his troops, he seems to always be the one that can survive the retreat. I agree, <laughs> except that uh, I, I agree in principle, but I felt like the scene where he actually retreats, I feel like they were actually kind of showing him sort of break composure a little oh, yeah. bit yeah, for yeah, the yeah, first yeah. time. Like you can see him first of all like the the bit where you can see him have to make the call we have to seal the trench and burn it even though many of my unsullied are yep. still on the other side but they're not going to last and there's not time to let them pull back because if they do then everyone all the dead come with them yeah and you can see him make that decision and you know it, and and feel it the weight yep. of it yeah i agree there <sighs> so mm-hmm. many things. Mm-hmm. Uh, real quick, um, Viv from Viv's notes on the lighting. <clears throat> um, she was, I guess, kind of along with Christiana. It was, it was an easy enough fix to adjust the lighting to see better. I trusted their mm-hmm. choice. How often have we heard the words uh, for the night is dark and full of terrors? Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. was yeah. Um, always going to happen. I trusted they would let me see what I needed to see. And when yeah. I wasn't quite sure when the person was fighting someone we knew or a white or a generic soldier, I trusted mm-hmm. that that was the tone they were going for. Right. Yeah. I think that that's part of what they wanted was for it to be hard to see and create anxiety in us in terms of not being sure in certain cases. I think that's, that's what they wanted. And I think that uh, just, it ended up, I, I feel like it I thought it was really effective at the beginning, but yeah. that once they had sort of, uh, this is something that I'm trying to remember. I, I felt like I really learned this lesson from some previous movie that now I can't think of it because my brain still thinks it's 14 hours ago. <laughs> um, but uh, just the idea of if you're going to make a big stylistic choice for some piece of media, you hit it hard at the beginning to establish what you're doing and then you tone it back. So it's not distracting. Okay. Um, yeah. And that uh, I feel like that would have been a better choice here mm-hmm. to, uh, to really use it and lean into it for those opening sequences where it's so scary that you have no idea even how close they are. And even though there's other things to talk about with this bit, the coolness and scariness of seeing the Dothraki ride out with their burning, uh, uh, I forget what their, their weapon is called, but, uh, and then you see those start to go out and that's all Mm -hmm. you can see. Like that's super scary. And I thought that was really effective, but then once they make their way inside the castle and there's fire everywhere, I felt like that's really the point where they should have just gone back to, more standard lighting where we can see people's faces and you know, it's uh, you can still have it be chaotic, but at least at that point, you're not uh, kneecapping everybody like the actor's performances. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, As the, the show gets underway, it starts with Sam going in, they're doing the final preparations Mm. and we see one of the 
only times we see ghosts and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm finished. I'm grump on this now completely. Ghost is bullshit. Thought they yeah. handled this so stupidly. There was no reason for ghosts to be there other than people to say, finally say, Oh, there's ghosts. But like should have died a long time ago. The only thing I can think I of- totally screenshotted him because I was so excited to see him. <laughs> but mm-hmm. what's the point but if he doesn't do anything? You should does, I kept expecting to him anymore. to be I kept right. expecting him to be undead. Uh, That's why yeah. I thought he was there. The I only kept reason expecting him to come with the dead. The only reason I can think the ghost is still in the show is that now that the Night King's gone magic's going to leave the world and ghost is going to be something that shows that because the dire was kind of, you know, hadn't been seen for yeah. so long and all that's that. interesting. Yeah. That's the yeah, only thing I, I can feel think. Like, yeah. And we already have yeah. dragons for that. So it doesn't matter, but I don't know. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, so I agree that, well, and, and here's the thing too, with ghost is that unlike in my rewatch realizing, Oh wait, you know, there's Gandry, there's Tormund. They're not missing yeah. in actions. Um, ghost. We don't see again after that mm-hmm. initial charge. And yet, if you have been able to see previews, you know, I, have uh, not. I, I don't know if that counts as spoilers. Mm, I don't think it does. We've, we've but, said before previews don't count if they came. So the HBO. point is though, that even though we see ghosts literally in that first charge and then never see him again, he's actually fine apparently. Right. So, yeah. uh, so I agree. Literally there are too many, there have been too many good opportunities for him to be killed. And then we just don't even think about it mm-hmm. anymore unless they must have a plot point involving yeah. him somehow. And it up. just pisses me off how they've handled them. Cause to me, they're yeah. not dire wolves. That's it's she should be as big as the horses. You never get yep. a good perspective. And yeah, the size changes in every time we see them and they yeah. look, hokey they they're so obviously blue screened in composited in that just looks hokey i don't know yeah i I mean it's (laughs) it's frankly bizarre because it's one thing to i mean i guess i don't know about the budgets of how visual effects things work but i'm just saying there was a lot of dragon stuff that was awesome but you could have cut that by 10% and given us a couple of really good shots of ghost. <laughs> right. And I think most people would have preferred that, but, yeah. um, yeah. but I, I don't know that that's actually how it works. You know yeah. what I mean? It's right, like, right. it's one thing to say, if you have the effects people built the dragon models in their systems and they can do all sorts of fancy stuff with them. Right. That's not just the same thing as saying, Oh, well cut one shot of that and get one shot of ghost. I don't think that's how it works, but. I think in order for them to use ghosts the way that we'd want to see it, they would have to assemble them and create ghosts the, in the same way that they did with the dragons. So it mm-hmm. would be like in that live action version of the Jungle Book, what they did yeah. with the wolves there, they would have to incorporate that and we would never have a practical ghost. Yeah. And I think it's the practical, the fact that they've always gone with, gone with practical dire wolves you know, because mm-hmm. they're just wolves, um, is the reason why we don't see them. And they t- they've said over and over again, and everybody says in Hollywood that children and animals are the worst to to, right. to work with, yeah. to act with. Well, and you can't just fudge it without it looking stupid. Well, yeah, yeah. but I I think I am I'm kind of taking Chuchu's side yeah. here in the sense of saying that's all fine. 
So don't do it. So yeah. just don't bother then at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't show him in a shot running without anything else in the shot to show perspective yeah. and then have him not show up. Like it would have been better to have just never seen ghost again after season five mm-hmm. than to do what they've been doing. So I really, I, I, I am, I am right there with both of you. And I really hope that there is a reason that we need to have a dire wolf at the end of this. Yeah. Because we got our goodbye with Namiria. John has yeah. one. That's why. Cause he is the, yeah. I don't know. Well, no, he's not. Yeah. He's, I don't know. Well, but, but John has literally not been with ghost for half the show. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, anyway, I don't know. He just plays I, on I, so many levels, Ghost does. That's the thing. Yeah. He's there the whole I time. I agree. <laughs> they, they, they definitely have not handled Ghost very well in, in the broad scheme of things. And certainly <laughs> in this episode, it does just draw all the more attention to they really don't have a good idea of how to handle that, do they? Right. <laughs> Without no. upsetting people you know i didn't say it yesterday but uh one of the things i was thinking when we mentioned ghost's appearance in episode two was that he was like the new rickon the way that we had joked about <laughs> rickon always just he he only exists to stand creepily in the shadows right um and so <laughs> yeah ghost lurks in the shadows mm-hmm. um so the first uh real bit of uh action we get is Melisandre on the scene. And so mm-hmm. we kind of already mentioned she comes up and buffs a Vivad in her notes, the RX mm. swords. Yeah. Yes. Um, I cheered by the cool. way. I never thought I would cheer for Melisandre. Mm-hmm. I, I am not a fan of her. And I was like up until this episode, I was even with her bringing back Jon Snow, mm-hmm. I was still bummed that, that the maester at Dragonstone wasn't able to kill her, you know? Um, And, and, and I've harbored that the entire time, but when she showed up and she lit all their arcs on fire, I was like, yeah, all right. That is awesome. I'm like, I'm cheering for Melisandre. I cheered for Theon last episode. (laughs) What is going on with me? But, um, but then, yeah. Yeah. I think what, what has become clear uh, first of all, I would be surprised if the show is not just done with the Lord of Light at this point. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, like, it, it has reached that storyline. Yeah. Um, but I think what it what it seems clear now, at least the as they've come into a landing on for a landing on this particular uh, concept of what's the Lord of Light's deal, it seems clear, yes, opposed to the Night King. That's the priority, and everything is just this masterpiece Moriarty plan to get everybody in the right spot for the conditions to be perfect for this to happen in this very specific way. And all of the prophecies ever that it gave to anyone and all of the powers were all about saying, well, I need to do this for you so that you can do that later so that you can be over there. And in order for that to happen, I have to tell you a false prophecy so that you will do the thing I need you to do. And so the Lord of Light clearly does not care about any individual person except Mm -hmm. as chess pieces. And it seems like it was all about leading up to this very single point of when can we have someone kill the Night King? And everything that happened up to that point was all about driving to that particular instant. 
Um, I was wondering. But, yeah. Oh, I was wondering. Oh, sorry, I, was that the whole thought? Well, I sort of, I guess in the sense that like Melisandre only at the end was able to like, there's a comparison I want to make, but it's spoilery for a different thing. So I don't, <laughs> I'm not going to go there. Um, but Melisandre kind of seems like at the end, only because she knew she was, this was basically her last thing, seems to finally really see clearly what was going to happen because the right. sort of, it was start less and less complex because it's, there's fewer moving pieces. We're closer to the end. And so she kind of recognized she's been used as an instrument and there are consequences to that. And it has all been in the service of this ultimate good, but that does not mean that the bad things that she did leading to that point are okay. And nonetheless, she's kind of, you know, you know, yeah. she has been used up yeah. by this in this process. And I think it's well, uh, two parts. Uh, this mm. one is that, um, I was wondering if it was if they were trying to make the make it seem like they were conflating death as the god and Lord of Light as being the same thing. And I don't I don't mm. it's it's there's really hardly any threads there other than yeah. this connection with Arya and get talking to her and pushing her on the, the last thing that she needs to do. Mm -hmm. Although not really directly, they just I don't know. And then <laughs> Um, the, just because they speak Valerian, why do the, uh, Unsullied have the whole Valadol de Hyrus? Like, um, yeah. Is, isn't that, I don't know. Isn't that the God of Death thing? That's not just a um, Valerian thing? No, I, well, I, I understand the confusion because I think the most significant usage of it was with Arya and the, you know, the house yeah. of the, mm -hmm. uh, house black, black and white, but, um, that actually has been more of a thing in Essos generally. Okay. It's not, yeah. not because like Missandei and Danny say it to each other, for example, yep. um, uh, or when they first meet and that's like in a way, very different part of the world. So it, it's, it's, yeah. a, it's an Essos thing. It's a place where where people speak Valerian. That's where the cultural idea of it comes from. Yeah. Right. And they're so, so far apart that I guess, yeah. Didn't. So for me, this whole thing of everything that we know about Melisandre, why was she there for Stannis? She was there for Stannis because she thought he was Azor, Azor the High. I can't say yeah. it right. The prince <laughs> that was promised. Right. I can never say it properly. We all know my pronunciation stinks. Um and she was always there for that. And what did we learn? I think it was last season was the first time we heard, well, everyone says it translates it to the prince that was promised, but really there is no gender. It's mm -hmm. the one who was promised. Right. You know, which could be a prince or a princess. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the prophecy is that this warrior this figure would be born amidst salt and smoke and pull a sword named Lightbringer from the flames, which they would use to combat an impending darkness. So everybody thinks, oh, you know, uh, it's, a, it's the Song of Ice and Fire. So it's Jon Snow because he's Targaryen and he's Stark and he's this. But 
born amidst salt and smoke. This is Aria. You know, this is one of those. You can always look at it from the right light if you're looking at it backwards. But she wasn't born of House Tully and Stark. She was born after her father was beheaded. Her journey is her is her is her coming from salt and smoke and the sword lightbringer well she used valerian steel which is said to have been forged with dragon fire mm. so you know something that was forged in in flames of a dragon you know and and she uses it to kill the night king and i think to me this is melisandre had one purpose it was to help this prophecy that was the bargain she made with the Lord of Light. And once she, she fulfilled that prophecy, she was done. And she, she would no longer be in this world. And it took her so long to realize that this prophecy was not anywhere near literal as to what she thought it was. Mm -hmm. And she had been wrong so often. <laughs> I, I, I think that I, I agree in a slightly different way. Mm -hmm. I, in, in the sense that I don't think... I don't, so obviously when we hear that, you know, the yeah. idea of the translation question that what that a lot of people thought that meant is that maybe it's Danny. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and the show obviously wants us to guess that. Right. Mm -hmm. And, but the way I kind of took the whole prophecy element of it was that like by the end, what was the prophecy? It was, this is what you need to hear to do the thing that I want you to do. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And so the idea of does Arya actually satisfy it? I don't think she especially does. And it frankly doesn't matter mm -hmm. because yeah. the point of the prophecy was to make all of those other things happen. Yeah. And so that's why I was saying it's kind of like the idea of the Lord of Light gave Melisandre false visions. Yeah in order to provoke her to do what she needed to actually do for the real plan. And so she was always still, you know, maybe she wasn't just a pawn, but she was not the queen. She was a rook, maybe. Yeah. Um, and so she doesn't, you know, I, and that seems to be the impression to me is that the prophecy was always really kind of bullshit. And it was... Yeah. <laughs> Let's also not forget that other people were given information supposedly from the Lord of Light. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Thoros really thought Beric Dondarrion was Azor, the prince that was promised. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> I can't say it. Um, and 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 he did everything that he could based on that information, which got mm -hmm. Thoros there to do the things to also set up whatever mm -hmm. it is needed right. to happen uh and and i think you're right i think everybody got what they needed to make these things fall into place case in point yeah one of the more surprising characters in the show to ever see a vision in the fire was the hound right yeah when barrack was trying to recruit him he said that's all bullshit i don't care yeah but the barrack says no look into the fire and what does he see he sees the mountain arrowhead like on that mission mm -hmm. uh to go recover a white and that's what convinces him to go along with Beric. Yep. And who does the Hound save in this episode? Well, and the Hound is 
done. He is done. He is doing everything that he did in the Battle of the Blackwater. There were a lot of parallels to the Battle of Mm -hmm. the Blackwater in this for me. Um, Mm -hmm. And he's right there and he is done. And and, and Beric is like, come on, we got to do this. We got to do this. And he's like, I am out. Did you see all this fire? I am out. And he's like, tell that to her. And then he sees Mm -hmm. her and it's like, yeah, oh, shoot. I got to do something. That was, now. That was great. Um, I want to, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I want to say that on the one hand, I kind of see what they're doing with all of that. And I kind of frankly like the storytelling idea of mm-hmm. saying, no, the prophecies are all bullshit. It was always only telling every individual person what they needed to hear to do mm-hmm. the thing that was really part of yeah. the larger unknowable plan. Um, that said, I want to take it brief step outside the world of the story and talk about it as a writer for a moment, which is to say, it's a very convenient answer that allows them (laughs) to just say all of the confusing stuff that happened before was actually all a master plan because we were just having everybody follow their own random threads to do whatever they're going to do. And then we've tied them all into a knot at the end and cut off all the loose ends and are just saying that the answer is that it was all a chaotic plan that we couldn't know. And it right. just turned out that this is what <laughs> needed to happen. Lorelai so, works in mysterious ways. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. So, so, my, yeah. My biggest frustration is not as now knowing, you know, we're never going to have any answers about the religion or anything. There's so I, yeah. I have so many questions and like, what was the point of her being so old? What was she goofing around the last couple of hundred years? What's she, been, you know, wasting her time on what? Like, mm. I don't know. Other than it showed she was magical, that there was just so many things that happened that there's never going to be any explanation for or any yeah. satisfying world building, you know, kind of like the, kind of like, you know, how Dorne was never really developed and never really capitalized on. And this is just another one of those things that was never came to fruition. And that's disappointing. I mean, we might be surprised. There might be more of that, but I honestly, I, I would be surprised because I, I, I felt like four hours left. Yeah. You know how I mentioned uh, that scene from the last season of Lost in our discussion last night. Mm-hmm. I really do feel kind of like that's what is happening here is the show has presented kind of an answer of saying, mm-hmm. well, clearly the thing that needed to happen was that the Night King needed to be defeated. And we're going to suggest through Melisandre here that all these moving pieces that seemed chaotic were really all leading to this point. Brand kind of confirms it in his own way, talking to Theon, this idea that everything that happened needed to happen in order to bring everyone to this point so that the Night King could be defeated. That's it. The show is not (laughs) going to be interested in exploring it any further than that and probably shouldn't. I mean, you know, we we might have questions, but what what storytelling purpose could it really serve to Mm -hmm. continue to explore that at this point? I don't know. I think, though, there could still be um, some really interesting things in the books. Mm-hmm. You know, we still oh, have yeah. books to come yeah. and we can still theorize. And one of the most exciting things for me about why, uh, you know, how the show has completely deviated from the books is that there's still so much more that we can get from the books. And I really, I know I've said it before, but I really hope that the show and the books are completely different at the end Mm -hmm. um, because I want something new. Um, Although 
Arya kills the Night King in the books. I am going to be so happy with that too. Um, <laughs> I I love this for Arya, and it makes me less mad at all the torture she's been put through. Yeah, um, I feel like I've stopped waiting for the books. Like if they come out, great. I'll definitely read them. But I kind of I'm kind of at peace with maybe they never do, and that's okay. Yeah, well, if they never do, I, I I think I'm right there with you. I'm okay with it because it, it's it's already meant so much to me. But mm -hmm. I really feel like George, when he stopped writing for the show, is when he stopped writing the books mm -hmm. because he said, you know, they're going to do their thing and there's no way I can write without being influenced by it. So yeah. if I wait till the show is done, it's one thing that he's always said. He said, he, he has always asked people not to come up to him with speculations and not to write fan fiction until he finishes because he's so afraid he doesn't want to be influenced and he doesn't want people to accuse him of being influenced by fan theories and fan fiction that other people have read that they may be able to predict what he's going to do simply based on the fact that they picked up on his clues. Um, and everybody so has so much that. time to think about it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I can see him feeling the same way about the show. So he may end up changing what he originally intended. He may end up, they may not be anywhere close to what he originally uh, wanted. Um, and and I, I think it would be smarter to wait till the show was done to continue writing than to try to write while the show was in production once they got to that point. Mm -hmm. So that's my theory. I think we'll get to see books after the show is done. Um, but if we never do, we still have some great books yeah. that inspired us, you know, and mm -hmm. we can make our own ending. Yeah. Or frankly, he could write something else if he wants. That would be oh, okay yeah. with me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like he, not that that isn't what he's already been doing. I mean, he yeah, put he out Fire and Blood, series. which is a whole other book in the universe without actually, yeah. yeah. And wild cards and everything mm -hmm. else, you know. Which yeah. Wild cards has got a series coming out too. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, just to continue talking about Melisandre a little yeah. bit, since I, you know, I think it kind of makes sense to kind of follow characters through instead right. of like chronological. Because I, I yeah. agree. And then, so maybe I'll, after Melisandre, we can briefly just list mm -hmm. the characters for whom the entire episode is. They fight a bunch of whites, but they're okay at the end because right. <laughs> there's half the cast. That's their plot for the episode, yeah. and there's really mm -hmm. nothing more to it than that. Um, which is fine, you know, and that that's just, you know, yeah. Gendry, Tormund, Jamie, uh, Brienne, uh, Pod, um, who else? Um, yeah, you know, so just like a whole bunch of that cast, that's, that's their plot line, right? Everybody in the crypts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but in any event, uh, with Melisandre, just tactically in terms of the battle, I definitely loved some of the stuff that I feel like you don't see very often, which is the idea of in this type of medieval battle, how do you deploy someone who can do real magic? Yeah. Yeah. And so the bit where the unsullied actually form this phalanx around her, that's maybe not technically the right term, but around her to defend her so that she can light the trenches like that, that was, was awesome. very cool. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was awesome. Um, and also just 
the interesting rise and fall of the tactics where that wasn't supposed to be how they do it. Yeah. They were supposed to light the trenches with the dragon, but they couldn't because the winter fog made it so that Danny couldn't see that they were giving the signal to light the trenches. And so they're all trying with their, their uh, fire arrows, but that wasn't working either because the winter wind was still blowing those out too. Mm -hmm. And so that, you know, just the, tactically the rise and fall, even though I was kind of complaining that for a lot of people, their whole plot line in the episode is okay. Like some 60% of this episode is scenes where someone we like is fighting whites. Are they, are they're in trouble? Oh, 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 but no, they're actually okay for now. All right, let's move on. Let's do that for another character. Now. <laughs> um, a lot of the episode was just scenes like that. And that, and it's fine. But there was actually a, a really interesting progression over the course of the episode of, uh, you know, the, the, tactical stuff of the battle. Um, uh, I, I think there's some not great things about how the fact that the two armies of non-white people yeah. are the cannon fodder that get eliminated early on. Yeah, that's that's a big problem I have because it also doesn't make sense. Let's throw the cavalry in first. I, yeah. Tactically, it doesn't make sense to me. And let's stand I mean, here and get killed as all the white people rush past us to for safety. Yeah, yeah. They're valiant. They are valiant. They're heroes. I, I will say that <laughs> I think dying. the comment from Miss Andy in the crypts makes me think that they are definitely that, that they are definitely going to be bringing up race. Mm. I can't imagine it's accidental. Like that, there. It's so obvious that this is going to have to come up. I. Next, I don't know. I I would like it to, but I don't think it will. I'm not sure I agree with you there. Um, they've I, I had eight it, years and they've been totally yeah. toned deaf the had whole time. They've been tone deaf. <laughs> yeah, I know well, they've the, had eight the, years, but honestly, it seems like they're like, oh yeah, we know we're tone deaf. Yeah, well, so honestly, the reason that I don't think it's going to come up is because, uh, again, this is like the previews for next time, which like, I, I hate using that for any justification yeah. of anything, but frankly, the way this all plays out, it makes no sense at all for there to be any substantial remnant of either the Dothraki or Unsullied forces. Yep. Right. It makes no sense for there to be any significant number of them. Um, unless we want to say like anyone who's left must have just run away and then come back after the battle was done because it doesn't make any sense otherwise because they did not retreat yeah. inside the wall. So like, where else could they be? But, where did they go? Um, but at the same time, the previews make it seem like, oh, look, there's maybe actually a bunch of them left. So what? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so for that reason, that's why I feel like the idea that uh, we've just now lost the two armies of, uh, people of color uh, doesn't seem like they're going to address that because the 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 way they'll address it is just say, oh well, they're not all dead. Mm. So <laughs> it just I it just didn't make sense. And I know I'm picking things apart that maybe I'm overthinking, mm. but it just I it didn't make sense. Like especially because they didn't think that they were gonna they were gonna have flaming weapons. Why would you send them? Right. Like what, what was the, the tactical, the front advantage? line is going to the people who are armed with something that doesn't actually have any effect on the, it, the enemy. Like, 
I didn't understand that at all. I had assumed that they were from the plans that we had seen that it was going to be people with dragon glass would be the yeah. front line. Uh, yeah. Not. Well, so like the thing is, this is it's again, it's, it's the, the tone deafness is the key because clearly what they wanted in this setting up the scene, the way they were, did is that how cool was it the them riding out on their horses where all you can see is their flaming weapons and we see that in the battle and we see them hit the, this this black tide uh and then all gradually all they go out that was very cool and scary and it seems very obvious to me that they wanted that imagery and set up the battle in order to make that happen even though it doesn't actually make any story sense and it does feature yet again let's make the 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 brown people cannon fodder mm -hmm. yeah which just, is one of those things where it's kind of like on one hand you don't want to blame any one story for doing something that th theoretically makes a little sense in the story and yeah. yet it's just it's a trope because somehow it always happens yeah and you just <laughs> made your entire cavalry yeah enemy cavalry yeah whereas well, you could have barbecued them with dragon fire and they can't that, be raised yeah. again. That was the other, I, th yeah. I think there are a lot of people discussing the tactics of the battle. And I certainly had that fear too, um, because as the battle was going bad in those first couple of stages, I was just having this filled with terror because it's like, every person that dies is now an enemy. Right. And so, <laughs> and so, but it really just drives home what they did set up last time, which is to say, the only real goal here has to be killing the Night King because there's no right. other way to win. Right. Yeah. Period. And so setting things up where you can buy enough time, like just draw the rest of the battle out long enough that the Night King comes in himself, comes for Bran, and kill him there is literally the only path to victory. And was that's always true. And so to some extent, every other person who doesn't have that mission is cannon fodder yeah yeah but, but um, if they're cannon fodder like you said they're all going to be turned against you like how could they not think about that mm -hmm. well frankly i think from a tactical perspective danny is the one that almost gave away the whole show in the oh, all, yeah, absolutely. in this in this one because it's one thing try the dragon fire that's an obvious thing to to make an attempt yes like to, to see if that will work but once it didn't, it's one thing for her to say, uh oh, he's about to throw one of those other spears. We don't want him to take out the, yeah. the dragon at this point in the game. So flying away while he throws it, but not immediately coming back and helping John right then while mm -hmm. the Night King is right there yeah. was a big tactical error. And she does eventually come back. And I think the show really does kind of frame it as she runs away in fear because the dragon doesn't work, but mm -hmm. does eventually come back. And, you know, I think at that point, the, you know, when I mentioned last time that I had started to have a theory about what might happen with Danny that I had never considered before, the theory that I was thinking of was what if Danny recognizing John's claim actually ends up sacrificing herself to let him mm. save the day? Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so I actually thought that's what they were setting up when she. That's did what come I thought back. too. Yeah. Wow. 
Um, but then it kind of didn't play out that way. There was a couple of things in this. I don't ever want to uh, penalize a show for just not doing the cool thing that I thought of. <laughs> just, you know, it's like I thought of a cool thing that I think would be interesting and the show doesn't do that. And so that's like not Brian really Morgan into a dragon. Yeah. Or uh, the, <laughs> you know, uh, I had a slightly different version of how it played out with Arya that uh, like I was hoping it would happen that way. And the way that it did happen was also very awesome, but it wasn't the one that I thought of. And mm -hmm. so it would have felt cool for me to have guessed what was going to happen. <laughs> um, and then likewise, what I thought should happen with John and the zombie dragon was that in that last moment before, like just because the way they paced it all out is the night King dies. And so it drops right before it breathes fire on him. What I thought would have been so awesome to happen is it does breathe fire on him. And then the fire fades. And then he realizes oh, I'm the unburnt too. Wow. And then he stabs the dragon. Like how cool would that have been? And yet, you know, honestly, the it's a little bit weird, the, the mythology of the show, if we're trying to say he's a true tri Targaryen and they've established all the stuff in the before about, you know, real dragon doesn't get burned or whatever. He burned his hand in his first yeah. time when he fought yeah. the, a white. So <laughs> he is not immune to fire. So what does that mean? Yeah, he's not. He does not <laughs> well, have only fire half. Or well, that the other is, thing I is, guess that is true. He's yeah. not the true dragon because he's half Stark. The the other thing is, he may not have ha had fire immunity. Does he have it now? That's another thing that could now have, that he knows yeah. or something. So well, now, now that, that they've copulated, now that, now that right. he's dead. Now, so the other thing oh. is, well, that's true too. Yeah. So wow. the the <laughs> the other thing that um, and I think. Sorry, just to throw in more there. Yeah. And I really want you to finish that. But also, Danny did not see her, was not unburnt until after she put herself in a pyre with the expectation of Khal Drogo's dead. My child is dead. I'm going in with them. So I, one could say, you know, she even says she was reborn in the fire. Well, yeah, but. In the very first episode, we see her wade into a bath where oh, the right. attendants are like, oh, too, too, hot. Hot, too hot, and she's oh, fine. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. That's right. So I, that's right. Okay. So I don't think she understood the extent of it until, yeah. until the fire. Okay. But, um, but anyway, so just like that was a cool idea that I was thinking in my head when like that, that the... I thought it was a, a genius sequence, that whole bit where he has to get to the Night King, but there's just so many things in his way. He's having to run past his friends in danger. Yeah. And then the dragon, and he's just keeps trying to get through. But uh, And that whole, that whole thing was awesome. And I just had that idea for how cool would it be if that's how mm. that finishes. Mm. Um, and frankly, it, it felt a little bit like, like, oh, it, it was about to kill him and then it just died because of the Night King first. Feels like a little bit of a letdown after this idea that I thought of in my head. I <laughs> but, feel like I feel like uh he was going to stab it before it fired, mm -hmm. and that I don't think he was about to die. I think he was about to do something heroic. I don't know. He could have well, died also, but, but it's all moot though, because it, because it, she she killed she caught the golden snitch. I was yeah, scared. There's happened, no way you know? that would go down. Uh, so Paulette says that um, in in response to us saying like they didn't think about how their dead would become their enemies, uh, she says they're obviously not thinking of that because 
the safest place is in the crypt full of death. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the thing is that, that there was an awful lot of stuff that happened that makes no sense except that it's how the showrunners wanted it to play out. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. and and so like John of all people should know that the Night King can praise the dead. Yeah. Like he saw it happen at Hard Home. You know, it's this is you know. But that said, having it happen the way that it did is still cool. Yeah, and and I think I think it's not necessarily an obvious connection. Like it's obvious for us who have a lot of time to think about it that like, oh, the crypts wouldn't that be a cool, scary thing to happen in the show? I don't know that that's necessarily as obvious to the people in the story. You know, like yeah. they're thinking, you know, the, the crypts are, you know, they're not thinking of those as dead body people places. They're yeah, thinking they, of it. Yeah. As they're stoned. Yeah. They've been dead a long time. Right. Exactly. And so uh, I yeah, thought as it far was as very we know, cool. It has to be a fresh kill right. or something for yeah. sure. Right. So we, we knew that that was likely to happen. And I was fearing every time we saw one, another wave of soldiers die, it's kind of like, the enemy army is just getting bigger and bigger, but we hadn't seen them all lift up. But until they did at that moment where it was just when we're starting to think, okay, well, we're starting to get closer, but then, oh no, now we have to deal with this. And just the horrifying moment of, you know, panning around to all the different characters reacting to that, where just when we think we're starting to thin them out, oh no, now this and uh, I thought that was all very cool Uh, one thing that I will say is the moment where Danny does come back and burns the whites that were around John I saw a couple of people on Twitter who I think misinterpreted that and thought that the bit where we see the fire obviously very close to John when burning the whites around him thought that she was deliberately burning John too, mm. knowing that he wouldn't be burnt and like that somehow like her acknowledging mm. that he's a real Targaryen. But like, I just rewatched it and it's, it's close to him, but he clearly goes like this yeah. away from yeah. it and is not engulfed in it. And I think that if that's what they were trying to show, they would have made it much more dramatic. And they've abandoned any kind of subtlety like that. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, I, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just <laughs> wanted to say that, uh, Mike McCauley said that he was under the impression that all of the Dothraki were killed, but that maybe some of the Unsullied survived. Right. I, I think that is the case. Like the, when the, the bit I mentioned from the preview is definitely showing Unsullied and not Dothraki. Um, but at the same time, uh, the point is hope. that like it's also not clear how there would be any substantial number of Dothraki or of mm-hmm. Unsullied. Um, well, like enough to be in units is, marching in ranks. Yeah. The other thing is if, yeah. if ghost is alive, then Dothraki are bound to be right. Alive yeah. It's all. like, it, it's one thing to say that there's a handful here and there that just got scattered during mm-hmm. the battle. Um, you know, it's also not clear. Like, was this all the way around Winterfell or was it really only assaulting one side? Cause they had burning torches, trenches all the way around, yeah. but was it being assaulted from all sides? It's unclear. And yeah. so there, I think some of that, they're just literally relying on it being not entirely clear for them to just say that the answer is whatever they want it to be. And it was so dark. Nobody saw anything. 
Yeah. <laughs> you don't know. Um, <laughs> ah, that's why it's so dark. And uh, I did yeah. want to go just go back a little bit because Mike McCauley said, are we ever going to know about Melisandre's necklace? I know. They even I, showed it in the snow. But no, yeah. I don't think we are. <laughs> right. And I mean, I'm also, I think that just the way things all played out is that like, the necklace would really was always only just sort of a, a it's, it's, you know, element. it's yeah. a token anyway. Yeah. And it's like, I don't think anyone else picking it up would find it. it you know, they would, it would, wouldn't do anything, you know, I Davos don't picks it, it up anywhere else. Davos picks it up. He puts it on. He's this young buck strapping man <laughs> and he has all his fingers back and, Oh, now I know what she was feeling. Say, I, when I you started that, I armor? Thought, <laughs> when you started saying that, I thought you said it was going to turn into this young, buxom. <laughs> oh, oh, like the super crown. Yeah. That could totally work. Yeah. And then everybody goes around and is like, well, well, well how, what's a, a John Ett going to look like? And what's mm. a, uh, you know, yeah. Tormund Ett going to look like? I'm just mm -hmm. having way too much fun here. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you know it's funny just to, yeah anyway never mind let's not go too far down that rabbit hole um, um uh but yeah i think i think the necklace it, it's in keeping with kind of what we were saying already about all of the sort of the rest of the lord of the light stuff is that i really feel like the lord of the light felt the need to sort of work directly with people for a little while in order to defeat this specific threat. And now that that's dealt with, it's going to recede again. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be more of a religion and less of a direct influence. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which I'm curious if that's going to carry through with other things, you know, yeah. The, yeah. The dragons that are here. Are they going to start getting sick or, mm -hmm. you know, um, Oh, and that's yeah. another question I have. Is there one dragon left or are there two dragons left? That was also something that was unclear from the episode itself, but the that preview shot does show two dragons. Mm. In the episode itself, I felt it was unclear if any of the dragons survived because when the dragon comes and it 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 kind of encircles Danny, it could be read as I'm I'm here for your mom. I I understand you're sad or yeah, I'm dying too, mom, mm. <laughs> you know, and it like I'm laying my head down, but I was pretty sure we had at least. Yeah, one. I, I didn't I didn't get that about it. I, I thought that was confirmation that that one was fine. But the one that John was writing, yeah. we saw it kind of take a hard landing when that's when he fell off. But we right. just never see that dragon again. Yeah. yeah. Um. So uh, Mike McCauley says the dragons won't go hungry for a while. Yikes. But do they like already yeah. dead things i don't know i don't know mm -hmm. i don't know oh man i i think that <laughs> the number of dead bodies around winterfell i think oh. that if we were talking about like real world practical stuff i'm not sure you could really ever make winterfell livable again you have to burn everything decades the dragons would have to yeah. burn everything the cholera yeah. outbreaks would be mm. Yeah. Tremendous. Because the white yeah. walkers shadowed, but the whites shattered, but the whites are just 
dead. Yeah, things. they're just yeah. they're just now yeah. dead bodies. So there's yeah. literally wow. like the place is surrounded with just thousands and thousands ecological of disaster. Yeah. And yeah. some of these corpses yeah. have been dead. Well, the ones from the crypts, maybe centuries, but have been dead for like years coming from mm. the north. Well, I think honestly, the ones that have been dead longer are probably less of a problem, really. Yeah, that's true. They're not as messy. Yeah. <laughs> They're all bones. Let's yeah. go. Um. <laughs> uh, Mike McCauley says, I wouldn't be surprised if they abandon Winterfell. Yeah. I, oh. I think that they won't for story reasons, but I agree that from a practical perspective, yeah. I don't think Winterfell would be a livable place for a long time. Yeah. No, nah, it's going to be cleaned um, up and rebuilt and everything's yeah, going to be perfect. Yeah. It's, it's all going to be fine by next episode. And Paulette says, and I'm going to agree with this. And yet the most epic death of mm. the whole series was the smallest. Yeah. Leanna. Mm. That was amazing. Yeah. So I did catch a clip of the inside the episode where mm. they talked about Leanna. Mm-hmm. And they said she was only supposed to be in one scene. Right. Yeah. And it was the actress that made them uh cast, you know, write more for her. And they said, look, she's gonna die. We have to give her a good death. We can't give everyone a good death. But when her death scene was amazing and she knew what she was doing and she knew what she was sacrificing, but it was so heartbreaking when her eyes opened and they were blue. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, <laughs> and you, you know when all yeah. like when Gren rose and Leanna rose and all of these people that we cared about were Gren, rising. Or Ed, Ed, Ed. Sorry, yeah. what did I say? You said Gren. Gren. Uh, Gren's been gone for a while. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Ed. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Uh. When they rose, that was so heartbreaking. Yeah. But Leanna, it's like she gets bashed to the side. I'm like, oh, she's dead. Oh wait, look, no, she's back. And then crushing her mm-hmm. and you hear her bones breaking and I'm, you're like yeah it's just oh but the in the yeah eye, and it I'm was like, amazing yes mm-hmm. made me very happy <laughs> yeah well and the and the giant like even just yeah. before that happened was so obviously just this huge threat of you know not just to make a pun about the size but just like this terrifying threat of like nobody could even get near it yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's um, although to some extent they did have dragon glass arrows too, so it's not clear why firing a dragon glass arrow into it couldn't have taken it out. Well, maybe it couldn't get through the thick furs he was wearing, or whatever. I guess it's know. fine. Yeah. Like I, I don't hate the way it happened. Obviously, right. um, it's just uh, it. Or maybe it, his skin was thicker because he was yeah. bigger. You know that why well, she went for the eye kind of a thing. But I think it's 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 such a perfect example, though, of something we've we've pointed out a couple of times, which is that there are a lot of things that happen in this episode. They happen that way because it's cool, not because yeah. it makes any sense. Yeah. And, uh, um, doesn't make it not cool, but it does make it the only reason that it yeah. happens that way. <laughs> yeah, plutonium is yeah. a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mike McCauley also says that uh, it, one of the best scenes was her taking out the giant. And yeah, I, I it was, think that is yes, definitely it was amazing. And I think for where it was in the episode, we needed that. Yeah, yeah. This was ninety minutes of fighting. Right. I'm not usually in for ninety minutes of fighting. Well. Yeah. Uh, you know, something I was, I was telling Chooch a little bit, and I think uh, some of the other things I've said, people might uh, uh, be on my side with this, uh, but, or at least understand how I feel, uh, which is to say, 
you know, a lot was made about how like, oh, this was the longest filmed battle sequence yeah. ever. And my feeling hearing that was, could have been shorter, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, because there was a lot of stuff where it was just action yeah. that didn't actually change anything. Now, by and large, I was really impressed the way that this battle had these multiple stages. You know, you had mm -hmm. that Dothraki charge, which has some issues, but, you know, from just a visual storytelling point, you know, you, you deal with that and then the dead move on and they're fighting, you know, the, uh, the unsullied and then they're forced and the other knights, and then they're forced to retreat inside the walls. And then there's the siege on the walls and then they're inside the walls. And like the way that evolved was great by mm -hmm. and large. And there were a lot of great high, high point moments that I loved. There was a lot of stuff that was just another scene of people fighting whites yeah. and there could have been less of that, frankly. And there was also a lot of scenes of we're flying around the dragons in the wind and can't see anything. There was more yeah. of yeah. that than. Yeah. I'll agree <laughs> on that one. There was a, a lot of the dragon flying scenes, as much as I love dragons, uh, they were confusing to me because I wasn't sure which dragon it was. I, you yeah. know, what was yeah. going on. Um, I think that, um, but like I was saying that they did play certain key scenes mm -hmm. at certain points of this really long battle to keep us, to keep us there, to keep us interested. Yes, absolutely. And a yeah. perfect example of that was that quiet scene of Arya in the library. Oh that my God. Just, the tone changes up so dramatically at that moment. And it's something we really needed because it's yeah. not relief but it's a change that keeps us just from yeah. going numb. And so yeah. did anyone think that she was stabbed when she stabbed the white? Uh, no. Although I guess I could understand how that would, it, you know, it's, it's one of those classic movie making things uh, where they have the two characters come up and, yeah. and they literally decide to make it ambiguous for a moment. Who just got stabbed? It's like they did yeah. with Ramsey and Roose Bolton, for example, who just stabbed who, right? Yeah. They hold on that for a moment and have the actors both make slightly pained, surprised faces. And, and then only after a few seconds, do you reveal who it was? But yeah, I think it was, uh, it was sort of a shocking, surprising, very sudden sort of thing. I think but, they wanted us to question it. Yeah. But what it, that whole sequence though, reminded me very much of like, uh, like, uh, the last of us, the video game mm. where, uh, where sneaking around, avoiding the, you know, zombies, um, where I, I do finger, <laughs> finger quote zombies because it's technically not zombies in either like, the whites, are they zombies? Well, eh, complicated. And the clickers in The Last of Us. But the point of the <laughs> stealth kill where you literally have to like ease the body down so the fall, yep. the sound of the body falling to the floor doesn't alert the others. Right. And <laughs> yep. Yeah. So that was a very cool sequence, but it did exactly what you were just saying, which yeah. was occasionally having scenes that break up that, that rhythm to let us you know not quite catch our breath exactly but mm -hmm. yeah i found it a yeah. little jarring but and you know like from a realist standpoint how it was so silent and there's all this battle mm -hmm. going on yeah. everywhere but right. um it was very effective showing how how stealthy she has become where, right you know oh, like yeah. the blood gets its attention but her shuffling around doesn't because she's so good at it now right 
uh, I want. I think we should talk a little bit about the Arya's arc within this episode because mm-hmm. um, I think they did an amazing job of like the first time. So we see her before the battle really starts. Um, like when Melisandre co- comes up, they have that look uh, between yeah. them. That's really cool. And, you know, given that Ms. Melisandre has just talked to Davos um, or I have talks to, you know, near there where she's saying, I'll be dead by dawn. It's like, and we're immediately thinking is like, sorry, you're going to kill her. Yeah. yeah. Like we <laughs> could see that happening theoretically, but it's also not clear what logistically would make, have Arya make that decision, especially given that Melisandre has just demonstrated that she's here to help. And other than taking Gendry away, uh, you know, it doesn't, Arya didn't really seem to like have a driving desire to kill Melisandre. Yeah, she yeah. was, she was on her list, but I really hope somebody told her mm-hmm. that Melisandre brought her brother back. Yeah. That could well, be useful information. If you've got somebody who is an assassin in your family, it, it's always important to update them on people that have helped you out. Right. Just to well, make sure they right. And, and, and she was on the list at the same time that Beric was. And yeah. obviously that, yeah. you know, so th- it didn't feel in that initial moment, like Arya had any plan to kill Melisandre. Yeah. So it was not clear what might happen there. We're left to wonder, gosh, what might transpire to make that happen, yeah. but it turned out to be something else. But in the meantime, the first time we see Arya fighting, she's doing great, right? She's Paulette super badass. that uh, Arya doing her crouching tiger fight scene. Yeah. So like <laughs> we see her taking out a bunch. She's a champ. She's doing all sorts of cool stuff that roll down the tops of their heads to go down to the <laughs> stair. The bottom of the stairs is pretty cool. Her um, weapon is not just a spear. It's got sharp edges so she can use it with slashing damage. Yeah. She's yeah. not poking everyone. She's slashing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's very cool. She's doing great. Um, but the fact is that as awesome as she is, there's a lot of awesome fighters here and the, there's just so many. Nobody so can she, take on a horde of whites. Yeah. And so she is uh, like, yeah, exactly. Is that there is, there is no fighter that could stand against what they're fight, facing without having to retreat. And so she's doing great until she takes one kind of hard hit too much, gets the cut over her eye. And you can see that kind of change on her face of just realizing like, I knew I was badass and I was excited to try fighting this, but this is actually too much. And she was forced to kind of retreat to try to, you know, kind of collect herself. Um, we see obviously the hound sees her pulling away, you know, and having to climb inside a window. And, and that leads to that library scene where she is having to withdraw. She's afraid, right? She's yeah. afraid. She is knows that she's in trouble. She needs to find somewhere where she can catch her breath. And that all leads up to that moment, you know, where she runs up and, 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 uh, you know, obviously the, the hound and Beric save her, uh, Beric, you know, gives his life for that. It was, I was a little bit confused because there was that great shot of him like barricading the wall I know. and getting stabbed, but then somehow he also manages to make it into the room with them. And I was like, uh, well, yeah, okay, fine, whatever. <laughs> I was like, um, wait, is this showing us that he's not going to die, that on his last life? And then when, when Arya's like staring at him, I'm like, is she going to like just start saying whatever she yeah. saw Thoro say? And none of mm-hmm. it happened. I don't know. So uh, I will say that I 
intuited in a way that I can't put my finger on what made me guess that, but I intuited that it was going to be Arya to do it before we had Melisandre bring that speech back up again. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I still, I'm, I know that I was thinking that because when Melisandre said that I felt like, Oh yes, they've confirmed it now. Okay. Um, but I, I can't, I couldn't tell you what it was that made me guess that. Um, but in any event, what I was thinking to myself was the obvious line that needs to be associated with that is what do you say when you look you know, to the God of death is not today. And what I thought was going to happen was that she was just going to unprompted, like when, when uh, she goes and kills him, it'll be like, not today, like in his face. <laughs> but I, so like, that was another one of those things where it's like, oh, it's a cool idea in my head. But that also might have been a little bit too cheesy action movie um, stuff. But like the idea that Melisandre had to sort of prompt her back into it, um, I was feeling like that's not as cool as if she just remembers it. But at the same time, just having the storyline be, she's on her heels, she's retreating, she's scared. But then having Melisandre's sort of final contrib contribution to this whole thing be to say, I told you something that now you know was true. You were right. It was a prophecy and I was right. And I'm telling you now that part of that is that you are going to do this. And that gives Arya the confidence to be able to say, not only am I going back out there, but I'm not just helping with the fight. I've got a mission. So one of the things that makes me really into the whole Arya is the one who was promised is that not today came from Melisandre mm -hmm. who speaks to the Lord of light. She heard it from um, Jacques and Hagar. She heard it from Cyril Pharrell. Mm -hmm. All right. We can still argue is Cyril Pharrell, Jacques and whatever. Uh, I don't <laughs> think uh, Jacques is also the, the red woman. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but obviously multiple people that that was something that was placed into her, her groundwork, you know, her, her training. That was something that she heard as she was developing her skills. And then when she needed it most, that was something it's mm -hmm. like a trigger word or a trigger phrase. Um, so to me, that was really cool. And it wasn't mm -hmm. Melisandre doing that. That was the right. prophecy, this whatever, you know, and, and, and that it really was important. Not that it happened that somebody did it, but that it was Aria that does this. Right, right. No, I, I, and I agree completely. And the idea that, like, how would Melisandre know? Like, I, I agree. Yeah. Like, Melisandre is not Sirio. He's not Jack. And yeah. I don't think any of that is true. But, 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 um, you know, the reasonable question, like, one of Melisandre's best tricks throughout the series has been creeping people out by saying things <laughs> that they she shouldn't have any way to know. True. It's like true. that's that's been one of the red priest red priestess play you know that's one of their best tricks all the way through the series so the <laughs> fact that she knew exactly what she needed to say to Arya to trigger that mindset yeah. change was i think perfect um, yeah and not out of character just right. to me it and, made everything fit and uh Paulette says uh Arya saying the line would have spoiled the faint with the dagger i don't think it would have but i will I, i'll agree though the faint with the dagger, especially that it had oh. been set up in her sparring with Brienne, yeah, was so great because 
we see her come leaping into the shot and we're like, yes. But then he grabs her and we're like, no. no. But then <laughs> flip slow motion and we're like, wait, wait. Ah! Okay. There's so <clears throat> I was not expecting the faint at all. Yeah. When it dropped, I was like, no. And I also did not expect that Arya was going after the Night King. I knew she was going to do something important. And then mm -hmm. I kind of forgot where she was because I was mm -hmm. so wrapped up in everything else, which I think they did really well. Yeah. Because I, I don't think I'm the only person that forgot. Wait, Arya's off doing something important. Now. Right. Yeah. Um, I totally forgot so, about her until she was leaving. Yeah. Like, well, I yeah, think the exactly show's intention. Yeah. Yeah. And my my wild speculation brain was going working overtime. So I was I all my theories kept changing and rechanging. And I can't help with my crackpot theories. They just come. We know this. And so when she shows up, I cheered. I yeah. was I, I, I also like Mike McCauley. I said not today with Melisandra and mm -hmm. Aria. Uh I was right there. And when she stabs the Night King, which, by the way, is in the same place that the dragon glass was put there by the children or by mm -hmm. the others or whoever. Yeah, when the Night King him. is made, it's the same exact place. Wait, is it, though? I, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I guess I because, OK, I, I'm, I'm I don't mean to, like, disagree. Yeah, yeah. I'm just questioning because. I thought in the scene where we see the dragon glass placed in him that um, that like turns him into the Night King in that ceremony, um, mm -hmm. I thought they pressed it into his heart, whereas oh. her stab looks like she stabs him in the gut. Oh shoot! Mm -hmm. I thought it was the same place, but now you. I have mean, me you might be right, that. but that's just that. Yeah, I, it. I may have misinterpreted what I saw, but that's what right. I thought. But um, yeah. But anyway, um. I will say that uh, now that you know, now that people have seen the episode, you can f feel free to venture onto the the land of spoilers known yeah. as the internet. And uh, there are several uh, memes going around where what it is is um, videos of crowd reactions at watch parties for that moment because oh, nice. you can watch that whole roller coaster of like, oh god, oh god, you know, the Night King's right there. There's no one else to help. What's going to happen? Oh no, are we about to lose? But then Arya and everyone's like cheering, but then, ah! then yeah. and it's so cool because like some of them, you can really see the crowd reacting in real time. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, it. it uh, is right in the middle of his chest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because the whole thing was like into his heart. I thought was like kind of the whole yeah. thing. Oh, you just looked it up. I was yeah. just yeah. watching the video. Okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, Mike says I thought he was originally stabbed in the sternum. Yeah, I, 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 I think that's where it was. But it's still, I mean, obviously, very cool to just have you know, uh, Arya be the one uh, to do it and having it really feel appropriately epic. Because like, even though I, as I mentioned, it's a little bit of a just like writing cheat to just sort of say yeah all that random bullshit that happened that was actually what exactly what needed to happen to lead yeah. to this point so it turns out that it was genius all along you just didn't know <laughs> um uh so i <laughs> i can observe that and still feel like it actually worked in the context mm -hmm. of the story here and again like i wish i could tell you how i guessed that that was what was going to happen but like the whole not today moment where she said it like 
for me, I almost felt just a teeny bit of a letdown when she said it because I was like, oh, but she should have said it when she killed the Night King. Not now. Didn't huh. didn't want Melisandre to be the one that has to like remind her of it. It would have been cooler if she just thought of it herself. <laughs> anyway, it's like I'm not I'm not really complaining. I'm just saying that was the thought I had in my head when right. she said it. Um I think that it wouldn't have spoiled the faint if because uh what should have happened is leap. Grab, faint, stab, not today. Shot. Yeah. All right. That's how, yeah. Sure. But I, it still would have been action movie cheesy. So yeah, I, yeah. I maybe that's not better. I don't know. Uh, Viv's notes on Aria was um, that she showed, um, oh, I just lost it. Essentially, the fighting styles of all the people she trained with during the combat mm, yeah yeah no, part of it cool. she was really rough and part of it she was dancing and part of it you uh-huh. know, yeah <clears throat> yeah kind of yeah. showed everybody That's... she trained with mm-hmm. yeah no i i love that I, I i hadn't occurred to me but definitely like when she's doing the early fighting she was just def- very graceful at flipping around and all that sort of thing but then later there's a lot of just very direct like you know brutal like you know <clears throat> just very harsh, like, you know, training with the hound. And then of course the, the last move that does the thing is like, is the move she demonstrated when she was sparring with Brienne. Yeah. Uh, that's very cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so I, I thought it was so great. I have seen some people questioning, like, how did she get in there to, to do that leap? And, and I feel like, of all the things that you could complain about or have questions, that seems really far down the list to me because part of her whole thing is being stealthy and sneaking into places. And also everyone was paying attention to the night King and brand. Nobody was looking for some little girl to sneak in out of nowhere. They're all looking brother in the weirwood. Yeah. In the Godswood. Uh, She was able to sneak around these zombies. Yeah. yeah, they set all of that up, so it's yeah. really a silly thing to complain about, in my opinion. Because anyone who's standing there in the Godswood when that's going down is looking at the Night King and Bran, not yeah. at oh, some random little girl has just come in. Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, uh, Mike brings up uh, Theon, which I was thinking we should we should talk about too at some yeah, point. Which mm-hmm. is saying, I know Theon died all honorably, but I would have thought that he would have been a little more crafty with his attack. I can see that, I guess, but it really did feel a little bit like um, uh, like arrows are his main weapon, and he was out of arrows. Yep, and so it really did feel a little bit like. We all know he's about to die, but there's no other choices. And so he's, yeah. He knows he's about to die. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bran says goodbye. He tells yeah. him he's a good man. That tear mm-hmm. comes down his face as he yeah. realizes what's happening. And he yeah. says, yep, mm-hmm. this is how I'm going to die. I'm going to die protecting Bran. Yeah. And it's the only thing I can do. And honestly, like in my head, I was having like a whole... Uh, uh, spike thing going on. It's like you're a good man, Theon, and I can he- like in my head. I heard Theon going, "It's not true. It's yeah. nice of you to say." And then yeah, so uh, and you're, you're yeah. talking about Spike from Cowboy Bebop, right? No, I'm talking about Spike from Buffy, Buffy. when Buffy oh. tells him that oh, she yeah. loved him as yeah. he's about to sacrifice himself, and he goes, "No, you hmm. don't." 
but it's nice of you to say it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, cause it's funny that just because, uh, Spike from, uh, Cowboy Bebop has a little bit of a, uh, you know, is he a good man at the end? Well, yeah. mm, but he's doing what he's doing anyway. <laughs> because I don't yeah. think that Theon thinks he's a good man. And, and, yeah. and, and, that's the power of his redemption arc is he went through, well, I deserve this because I should have these things to, mm-hmm. oh my God, I'm an awful person to everything Ramsey's doing to me. I deserve because I did so yeah. many horrible things to I'm on a path of redemption, but I'm never going to be a good man. Mm. Yeah. So like, anyway, right. my whole head cannon. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I feel like getting, essentially forgiven by Sansa last time um, and then getting the explicit forgiveness from uh, Bran this time uh, was really nice. And I think that, you know, Theon dying is certainly sad, but it's also a little bit true that I think what some have said, I think Chooch said this earlier, which was to say that uh, the people who died were the people whose stories were done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Paulette says, and this is beautiful. Theon had always run from death. In the end, he ran into its arms. Hmm. <laughs> and I, I think that's really poetic. Um, and she also had said, by the way, there was that one white walker who noticed a breeze pass him. Yeah. Yeah. Right before the, the shot where, um, where Arya leaps from behind, you do see one of the white walkers, the hair kind of moves in a breeze and it sort of goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, it all happened so fast after that. I don't think people (laughs) would have any reason to like say, wait, what is that? Yeah. But there's like literally like three seconds later it's happening. So, (laughs) but that's definitely cool. Yeah. There's no doubt. uh, Theon has tears, never, but never falters. He knows and he chooses bravery, charges the Mm -hmm. Night King. His last act of the utmost loyalty to the Starks, Bran watching with no reaction. And of course the Night King just easily dispatches him but um because he's not wearing his contacts (laughs) (laughs) i will uh i will say that um there seemed there was a slightly weird editing quibble i have that with him actual the actual death part just because there's the bit where he's stabbed he falls to the ground he kind of like night king starts you know moving away and then we cut back to Theon, like, is he going to get up? No, yeah. he actually just dies. And I was like, that feels like a weird sequence. It was strange. To do that it in. looked like he was still moving and that yeah. the, the Night King had left him still moving. I was like, oh, is that going to be the Night King's flaw? His fatal mm-hmm. mistake. And then, no. No. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah it, it felt a little weird to sort of cut back and it's like, oh, he's actually not dead yet. Oh, well, okay, now he is. <laughs> so that did feel a little bit weird. But on the yeah. whole, I thought it was such a great finish for Theon's story. Uh, I will say it was also super scary, like him doing everything he can to continue uh, fighting. He's the last one standing. And then we see him finish the last one that was immediately attacking, but then the shot kind of pans around and you just realize there's hundreds all around. And you're just like, oh, yeah, that's bad. (laughs) 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 And then you realize the only reason they're not coming in is because the Night King's here with all his guys and is like, yeah, okay, well... (laughs) 
It was a good shot. We made it. We made a go of it, right? But <laughs> I, I just saw that um, uh, Viv did have the, the same note about uh, John. Um, John's facing down the dragon. Mm. Holy shit! He's not going to get burned. He's a Targaryen. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Late reaction, but I'm trying to get all of her stuff in. Well, there was uh, like five or six shots in the episode yeah. of him just barely avoiding dragon fire of one type or another. And well, so and it yeah, kept happening. Love it. The <laughs> other thing is for a lot of the book readers, that was like a big argument for R plus L equals J. It's like, yeah, but but he got burned. And then people are like, mm-hmm. well, Viserys got burned too. Yeah. yeah, but, oh, okay. And then, so that was always uh, uh, one of those points that we would talk about. And people were like, mm-hmm. well, he got burned, but he survived it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's also a hero, you know? <laughs> well, you know, like what one could argue, though, if we want to get into the minutia of it, that perhaps... That is part of the reason for the tradition that the Targaryens always ma- married brother to sister is that yeah. only when it's sort of that pure line uh, does that magic happen. Whereas with John, even if he is legally yeah. a Targaryen and the rightful heir, he is not full blood Targaryen. Yeah. He is only half. But- well, mm-hmm. and if you think about it, like with DNA, uh, we are not. everyone is not exactly 50% their parents, uh, each of their parents, you know, it's some markers you get from your mother, some markers you get from your father, but you could have more DNA from one side of the family than the other, which is where the whole, yeah. So Mm viscerous, even though, you know, comes from a family line where there's lots of intermarrying though, uh, I can't remember who their parents are. Because I was like, um, wait, wasn't their parents from Dorne? But no, that was Rhaegar's first wife. Right, um, yeah. Elia Martell uh, yeah. was Rhaegar's wife. Rhaegar's yeah, first so. wife, so... But yeah, so I don't know that... Uh, I, I'm sure it's been said at some point, but they really have never talked about uh, Danny and Viserys and Rhaegar's mother. They've really yeah. never talked about her. Um, I'm sure that it's been established like somewhat WikiLeaks says not WikiLeaks Wikipedia, I'm sure has a, um, has, has a name listed somewhere, but they've never talked about her. Yeah. There's a family tree in every book. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm sure it's in there and I, I, I can look for it, but it's, it's one of those things where, you know, it's like, (laughs) uh, Paulette (laughs) says John is the half blood prince. Do we cross a meme? <laughs> yes. Um, yes, he is. Yeah. Uh, Mike mentions Brands just sitting there still creeping. And, you know, like, I will actually, I liked, I really loved that that final stare down between the Night King and Bran actually just before Arya comes in. I loved that. But the question I have about Bran is we do see him warg into the birds and then fly out like they're scouting or something, but he stays warged for quite a while. And only comes back out of it because the Night King's finally there. And so we can assume he's just keeping tabs on what, you know, where the Night King is, Mm -hmm. theoretically. But it feels a little bit like was something else supposed to have been happening there? Like, are we going to find out that he actually did something else too? Mm. Because it felt a little bit like they were trying to say that, but then nothing came of it. So I don't know. Hmm. 
Because we uh, see him so working to yeah, go ahead. Dan sorry, Danny's mother was a Targaryen. She was Rayla Targaryen. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah, I don't think she has more than two or three sentences all about her in the entire book series. So there's, I don't Yeah. There's there's no picture. There's no yeah, it's just well, she was a queen at one point. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that she's never been a character that the show, you know, the, the story was much interested in. Um, but yeah, so in any event, uh, I think we're, we're, we're so scattered in this episode, which I guess is fitting for <laughs> yeah. a chaotic battle. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I felt like, uh, with Bran, we saw him warg into the birds that flew over and saw, this is how we got the first shot of the night King on his dragon. Right. Mm-hmm. But then there, it really never came up again, even though we saw him still worked while Theon was fighting. And it just, he never, we never saw anything else that he was doing after that. Um, so was there anything else or it was just the show's busy and they don't have time for him to have be doing anything else. So it just, yeah. Otherwise it's not he'd just be staring at Theon. <laughs> yeah. Presumably he is still keep like, see it's, Tactically, it's one of those things where, in theory, like he is able to provide real-time battle data to cr- critical people, except they that he doesn't bother. Um, but also, I guess you could sort of make the case that if did he foresee this outcome? Is this what he always knew was going to happen, and therefore he didn't feel the need to tell anybody because he knew it was going to turn out okay? Right. Yeah. And just so, telling yeah. them he has my mark is enough of an ex enough of a reason. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Or I have uh, his mark, yeah. By the <laughs> way, I got this family tree open, and I just got to say, where was it? Um, there was something weird. Yeah. Uh, so Rhaegar already named one of his kids Aegon Targaryen. Just saying, but I yeah. think Elia probably did that. But yeah, the twins were Aegon and Ray Rhaenys R H A E N Y S. So like, dude, two kids born in the same year named Aegon Targaryen, man popular name <laughs> I, yeah i think though that i'm i don't think that the show ever um established rhaegar's kid as Aegon other than john yeah i'm not sure about that yeah well and the book see because the books are so different too uh, on this point because first of all this whole is john a targaryen thing has not yet been confirmed in the books although certainly people still have yeah. the theory but it's not been definitive yeah. um it's also there's been <laughs> Another Aegon. <laughs> yeah, it's been confirmed by George, though. George uh, yeah. did say yes, that is right. Correct. And so there's another Aegon, though. Yeah. But is he real? We are actually not 100 yeah. percent sure. There's a whole thing. It, so, like, the books are at so different at this point that it's really yeah. almost not. It's only worth comparing as an observation that they're different, mm-hmm. right? Um, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Paulette suggests. Time to talk about Jorah. Yeah, I was Aww. just gonna say. I was just gonna suggest if we want yeah. to. Her bear. The uh, mm-hmm. his got his his perfect ending the exact yeah. way I think he wanted to go out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I I'll say that in an episode that although I enjoyed it a lot, wasn't really getting to me. Like I I was super pumped for Arya, but I hadn't really felt more than. I casually sad, I guess, about any of the other deaths, you know, mm-hmm. like eh, it's sad to see, you know, Ed get killed and, you know, Liana 
uh, is sad, but you know, we didn't really know her that well. And she got to go out like a badass, which is pretty cool. So, and we knew she was going to die cause she was a kid and you yeah. Know. And so like all of that stuff, um, like, but I did, I did cry for Jorah. Yeah. When, oh. when he went out. Yeah. I cried. I think I cried the most during Arya killing the night King. Um, like I legit cried for that. That wasn't a sad, that was a, oh my gosh, mm -hmm. this is something that has been like 15 years of my life right here. Mm -hmm. Uh, this was so fulfilling. Uh, but yeah, like the, the Jorah, Jorah dying. Um, and you know, it's happening, you know, mm -hmm. this is what's yeah. happening, but you're also like, it's sad, but also you're like, this, this is the only way he would want to go. Right. Like, could you imagine if his ending was he died of grayscale? No, yeah. You know, so, but, or he died protecting his queen. Right. I think the only question during that sort of last lead up was really just, it's obvious that he's a goner. We see him take a couple of really substantial wounds and then get back up. The only real question at that, that point is, what is the ultimate outcome of this going to be? Either the good guys win and he he has gone out saving Danny or they both go down mm -hmm. like they they have their last stand together and then are both cut down um, Which i could have seen that happening yeah i i could have but like once they hadn't framed it as explicitly at, so like like i had said i i one of the ideas that had occurred to me was that Danny might literally like knowingly sacrifice herself to enable to John to finish his mission. Mm -hmm. But once they hadn't framed it like that, I was pretty sure she was going to survive. Um, but uh, I wasn't sure how. And I think that's, that's, you know, the good action storytelling It's just like when you go to see um, your average superhero movie, it's like, you know they're going to win you just don't know how and that's mm -hmm. the suspense is how can they possibly come out of this and so that's where but like it was it was clear that uh, Jorah was was going to die but when he finally goes down it's clear that they've won and you know like the 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 whites all drop and so at that point he knows okay i i can stop uh, and he drops like a beat after the, the the whites do and goes to his knees and kind of go down and she's tearing over him and he tries to say something, but can't. And then he's gone. And like, yeah, that had me going. <laughs> and then the dragon comes and it's like, I know my mom oh, is dead. I'm hug. tearing up. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like, that's what your dog does when yeah. you're sad and you're yeah. sad. Your dog's like, I don't really understand what's wrong, but something's wrong. So I'm just going to cuddle you. Yeah. 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 And so that was, that was the only part of the episode that I like cried. Mm. <laughs> that's how vivid worded it. Uh, Jorah finally lets himself fall. You see, she's yeah. safe. <laughs> Dan B in the chat says Jorah fulfilled his promise to Sam. He yeah. wielded his sword in his father's mm. honor to guard the realm of men. Yeah. <laughs> Mm -hmm. That was some sword too. I gotta say, yeah. like other than ice, I think that's like the biggest Valerian steel sword. Yeah. I mean, great. that was pretty well, big, right? Yeah, I mean the other significant ones we have right now. I mean, Longclaw is pretty big, but um, yeah. but like the you know Jamie and Brienne's swords that they have now were literally like they're not big because they were they're what yeah. they took a big sword and made it into two smaller swords. Yeah, 
Um, <clears throat> do we want to talk about Sam a little bit? Sure. Because I think he, he, like, he's one of the few characters who doesn't really have a specifically heroic narrative in this particular episode. Because mm -hmm. essentially, he decides to be out there on the battlefield after we left it ambiguous last time. Is he going down into the crypts or is he fighting? He decides to fight, but he kind of gets Ed killed. Yep. Um, and then runs away. Yeah, he doesn't make it worth it. And we see him kind of fighting to survive and he makes it and he's fighting, but like not especially heroic. Now that he said surviving because he's in a pile of bodies. Yeah. Like frankly, in some ways, I think that's paired with the conversation that Sansa and Tyrion have mm -hmm. where Sansa is saying sometimes the more heroic decision is to recognize that you're not going to be able to help mm. out there. And so you shouldn't try. Yeah. Mike McCauley says he was so confused about Sam. He thought he died three times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, it's, yeah. So I think it's interesting. I wonder mm. how, uh, I mean, I don't know that there's really anything that needs to be said about that. Like, it, like they don't need to address anything in the show. But other than just like he's survived, but I thought it was just an interesting counterpoint that almost every other character that, you know, that doesn't die in a heroic sacrifice, um, almost every other character gets the moment of they fought down overwhelming odds bravely and triumphed at the end. Whereas Sam's plot line in this episode is not that. Yep. Hmm. I mean, he survives just barely, but only after you know, like he, not in the same way that everyone else does. Now, in some ways, I think that's re not, not just reasonable, like realistic, but like in character, I guess is the point. And is, honestly, yeah. I think that maybe in the, the next episodes, we're going to see him realizing that he should have been with Gilly. Mm -hmm. He could protect her. Like the fact that Gilly survives is surprising to me. Yeah. And I think if, if George wrote this, uh, Sam would have survived and Gilly would have died and mm -hmm. Sam would have realized it was his fault. One of the biggest mm, yeah. um, elements in this episode, I think, where they really dropped the ball in terms of making it clear what was happening was, so first of all, the idea that now we're rekindling Sansa and Tyrion is kind of amazing, but I love it. Um, but that moment where they share that wordless glance of like, Oh. We're going to go out there. We're going to leave the safety and, and, and fight is great. Except that as far as we can tell, what they do is leave one hiding place and then go to another one and don't do anything. Yeah. And yet somehow that's fine at the end. <laughs> I, um, I, I think what they were trying to do is they were trying to help lead people out from one hiding place to another so that they could escape. I well, except that that didn't happen. No, so, I know. I just, yeah, I'm just uh, so I think rewatching it, what was mm. it was supposed to be is they found that other place where people were hiding, like Varys was in there, and I think Gilly was in there, and and they were the ones like guarding like the entrance to that area, but we didn't actually see them do any guarding other than showing up at that yeah. spot, and yeah. we don't see any pay off to that. And I think that that's actually a significant misstep of the show of not making it more clear what was happening there because yep. they clearly set up this idea of they're going out to fight. Yep. And then we see them show up at a place where others are hiding 
and no fighting. And then the episode ends and we're like, what? Yeah. What happened? What happened? Yeah. yeah. So I, yeah. I do love that scene because like my heart kind of mm-hmm. breaks, like they're, they're both like the smart thing would be to do this. And then she pulls out her sword and, and, and mm-hmm. he kisses her hand and I'm like, Oh, yeah. Um, but um, Paulette says that she thinks that uh, Sam was basically a point of view character for the episode. He started yeah. out literally that way. And I agree. I agree. Yeah. I just, well, I think it, it also more than that. I think it also ties in completely to this theory that I absolutely think is going to bear out, which is that we're going to realize at the end that Sam becomes big time Westeros author writing a song of ice and fire. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And also, I mean, (laughs) it's not crazy subtle that the overweight bookish character is maybe kind of like the point of view character right. in this overall world. Oh. <laughs> a little bit, yeah, maybe, maybe, <laughs> you know? The, the one that also- too? Hmm? I said, does he play chess too? Uh-huh. <laughs> and you know, uh, he also Those is cons. the character that uh, is the first to get to kill a White Walker, despite it being a real significant surprise that he manages to pull that off. He gets the girl, he <laughs> like- Right. And, you know, I, I love Sam, but I feel like that element of it is not subtle. And oh, I yeah. feel like they're definitely heading in that direction. And frankly, I'll be disappointed if they don't at mm-hmm. this point. But, you know, it's, uh, but I agree at this point of, I don't feel like it was out of character. I'm not complaining about that. Yeah. I, this idea that he had a not heroic trajectory in this episode. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying it's interesting because it really contrasts with every other character. And I also Viv think feels it's very out of character. Mm. Um, out of the character that he had become. At least the way mm. she wrote it, she said that the the actor that played Sam in an interview saying, you know, you want to look really brave in a fight scene, but they kept directing him to be frozen and to be scared yeah. and all these mm-hmm. things. Um, and I get it that they wanted to have a reaction of a normal person, mm-hmm. but she felt they really undersold Sam's character because he knew that Gilly and little Sam would die if they didn't win. And he mm-hmm. always fought for her and him always. That was his, you know... Yeah. Um, I, I feel work. like, well, in, in hindsight though, I mean, I think we could probably agree. He should have been in the crypt. Yeah. He would have been better suited than anyone else who was down there. Yeah. And they to, didn't yeah. really but, have anyone to protect the people in the crypt. Right. So like, yeah. That little girl with the scars on her face. Been. She didn't do shit. I yeah. know. She's all right. <laughs> yeah. um, but the uh, person who had dragon glass was Sansa. And by the yeah. way, Stick them with the pointy end. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, in some ways I can, I can see what, what Viv is saying about that, but I think it's also true that a big part of this episode running theme was even all the most badass characters find that this is overwhelming. I mean, even Arya got scared. The hands. Um, I mean, the hound had the the fire, but yeah, but it wasn't just the fire. It was, yeah. There's no point. Yeah. They're yeah. already well, dead. Yeah. Every other character forced to re- retreat multiple times. And yeah. so I think in some ways, that's why I don't think it's as dramatic as, um, as all of that. But I think it's really just intended to be trying. It's trying to show 
this is that scary, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Even the characters who have found ways to grow and be braver, this would scare and should scare anyone. I, <coughs> excuse me. Um, I also think that um, the reason why St- Sam went out to fight is because he was thinking of Gilly and little Sam. And that's why he insisted he be out there fighting for them. Yeah. I I don't think that I think that in the battle he realized he's not making a difference. He's mm-hmm. not helping at all. If and, anything, it's someone trying to help him got killed yeah, because of helping he's him. He's making it worse. And he's yeah, I think that that is so much more powerful and Honestly, you know, uh, uh, Sansa says something that's like, we're all down here because we're useless. We can't do anything. But some of the most powerful people are down there. Sansa, you made all this happen. Mm-hmm. You know, powerful, uh, but not fighters. Right. They're not yeah. fighters, but they are important. And Tyrion, yeah, you're good in a fight. You're good. You were good in the Blackwater, but Danny needs somebody who can plan and strategize when this is over. And Mm -hmm. if she doesn't survive, she needs somebody who has her voice and can Mm -hmm. speak on her behalf. You know, these people down there are the important people. And it's not that they can't do anything. It's just, they can't fight. There's a big difference. Mm -hmm. Viv was very disappointed that um, Sansa didn't do more for the people in the crypts. Um, all of her training yeah. to be a lady, you know, calming, yeah. doing a hymn, the practical mm-hmm. social role that she was groomed for, and the nurturing, putting the guests at ease. She called Cersei out on it during the Battle of Blackwater. Yeah. yeah. But then when it's I, her time and she's in charge, she doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> I was... Go ahead. Uh, I I agree, but I feel like the reason that she didn't is because the show wanted us to be feeling dread, not reassurance. Mm, um, because because think about when she she wasn't down there; she was on the walls, and so yeah. when she shows up down there, everybody knows. Just seeing her down there means it's it not going well. Yeah, yeah. It's also soon. The battle has not even been happening for very long. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that also yeah. could have been another indicator of how bad things get. Like maybe she's, you know, starts off great. Yeah. And then when the people are screaming and they don't let them in the door and everything's lost. And then, you know, mm-hmm. that you could see yeah. her mood waning. I don't know. I So, no, yeah. I, so I agree. I'm, and I'm not actually even, uh, I'm I'm not disagreeing with any mm-hmm. of the elements of that, of just saying, I think the reason that that didn't happen is because the showrunners were trying to do a different mood with that. And, mm-hmm. and so it's another example though, of something where it's not happening that way because that's what makes sense for the characters. It's happening that way because of the right. mood that they're trying to mm-hmm. have for that scene. Mm-hmm. And Mike, Mike agrees with uh, Viv that Sansa needed to step up like a leader. I was totally feeling the vibes of uh, the Battle of the Blackwater for so many scenes in this, including the mm-hmm. crypts, uh, to the point that when Sansa drew her knife, I wasn't sure. Is this let's go out fighting or was this, well, 
let's at least kill ourselves. Yeah. You know, like I, I didn't know. And when he kisses her hand, I still didn't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it also seemed like he grabs something else. Like he has a knife too, except we can't really see it. It wasn't even just the darkness thing. It was just like literally not on in frame. Yeah. yeah I have no idea. It, yeah. For some weird, weird reason, it was a callback to Firefly and he had a screwdriver, but they cut it. No. Um, so who are we forgetting? What? Uh... Uh, well, so we haven't really talked about, um, uh, you know, other than just that last moment, we didn't really talk about Sansa and Tyrion very hmm. much. But I don't, I don't know that I have a lot to say other than just yeah. the rekindling them is actually something I'm kind of very okay with. Yeah. But setting up some tension with the idea of like, oh, right, we're having this conversation in a room full of people that don't all agree about this thing. Um, <laughs> My highlight is we should have stayed married. Yeah. Total power couple. Wait, aren't you still married? Um, and then uh, Sansa saying it wouldn't have worked out. Our politics are incompatible. Split loyalties. You know, you with the Dragon Queen. And... Uh, you know, it's like, okay, that's fair. And then Miss Sandy's snappy comeback of, oh, yes, where would we be without the Dragon Queen? Just mm-hmm. all dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, um, I loved that. Um, I want Miss Sandy to speak up more because mm-hmm. she's awesome. Yeah. Um, and so, like, uh, Mike asks, aren't they technically still married? And it's like, well, that's complicated because in theory, yes, they was like never annulled or anything, but then also she also married Ramsey. So else. like, yeah. Yeah. And like how, do, well, so I, I think that this is probably a perfect example of it only if they want to be <laughs> right. <laughs> well, yeah. technically she was married in two different faiths, but in the first faith, which is the faith, of the seven gods, mm-hmm. uh, they never consummated. That's true. So yeah. One can say technically they were. Well, and that was the whole justification. Yeah. 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 And then um, she was married in the Goswood, and unfortunately, one can say that that was consummated, but it was yeah. consensually consummated. That's for right. damn sure. Yeah. So I think at this point, it's definitely going to be one of those things where they're nobles. The laws only apply to them to the extent that they want them to, and it'll be what it is. And I will definitely say that I loved her comment of you were the best of them. And he's kind of like, Hey, I think that's insulting. (laughs) Well, no, like what a terrifying thought is what he says. But I, yeah, I love that exchange. And, and, and in my head, I think she counts Peter as one of them. Hmm. Peter Bailey. Well, I, yeah, I got the impression. Yeah. Mm. I got the impression she wasn't saying Lannisters. She was saying like all those people at the Capitol. At, at oh, I, I got the impression she was saying um, husbands. Oh, mm. I, well, mm. I maybe, but I, I thought she was talking about all the people I knew at King's Landing. You were the yeah. best of them. All right. That works as well. Yeah. But, uh, Yes, what a terrifying thought. Yes, that's what Sansa went through. If you're the best of them, that mm-hmm. was terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I- even in the rewatch, you see the seed for them actually like, you know, under the right circumstances, they could actually really get along and be great together. Yeah. Yeah. But the problem is just as they start lowering, lowering those guards, uh, that's when the Red Wedding happens. And so pff, it's, you know... 
nothing's going forward at that point. But um, yeah. you, uh, you, you, you've heard me say it before. Sansa and Tyrion, power couple. Yeah, there. No, I think so. I love the idea of them connecting again. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see how, given that Danny survives. Um, and you know how it how is it going to play out now with her and John? Yeah. So we'll we'll have to see. Um, but yeah, so I we talked. To, I guess we covered that, and I'm trying to think. You know, everyone else really was just kind of like what I was talking about. It's like we mm -hmm. see lots of scenes of Tormund and Gendry and Brienne and Jamie and Pod having fights with whites, and then they survive at the end. But there's not really any other story there there's lots of them saving each other yeah um but yeah there's not uh i will say uh also how is like i know how varus is alive but we were told that varus is going to die in westeros and so mm -hmm. when melisandre mm -hmm. she said both of them will die in westeros yeah so when she died i'm like mm, clock's ticking varus <laughs> yeah <laughs> Mm -hmm. um but i think i think uh the you know chooch's notion of people will be here as long as they still have story uh could very much be the way things go or it could be fan servicey and um mm -hmm. we get to keep the well, people we like one of the things that i th uh, one of the takes that i've seen a little bit of that i am just i find very bizarre mm -hmm. is the idea that Oh, well, if the Night King's defeated now, like there's no point. Like there's no real tension left in the show. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. Cersei was always a much better villain than the Night King. The Night King was scary, sure, but like there's there's not any actual character there. Yeah. Cersei is way more interesting. Now, I will say Euron is great in terms of being like a scary villain character. Cersei is mm. amazing in that role. But the fact that their actual military now is just the golden company with, um, you know, Hansi McBlonde, whatever, right. you know, Captain Strickland, like, again, oh, yeah, whatever, you know, although one theory that I heard about that, that would, you know, my confusion <sighs> about after episode one, where I was saying like, why bother giving us a face and a name if it's just going to be a cardboard cutout of a guy, right? Like, why? Why is mm -hmm. there even a person that they make point of us knowing, oh, yes, this guy, except that there's nothing about him interesting? Yeah. Um, I heard someone say, what if that is Jockin right. coming after Arya? <laughs> oh, now, I would be in for that. Yeah, now, I... I don't think that will be true, but I did like the idea. <laughs> no, but I like this crackpot theory. And we all know I love my crackpot yes, theories. Yes. And they don't have to have, have to right. happen for me to get excited about them. Mm -hmm. I mean, but hello, it, Theon becomes the three-eyed raven. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the truth is, it is a valid question. Like, as as obviously awful as the Night King was... How does that actually play into that whole house of black and white worship the God of death? You owe the God yeah. of death a, a life or whatever. Like, how does that actually play into all of that? Yeah. Um, unclear. Yeah. 
I think um, it's but, actually going to end up being Dario and they just changed actors again and they didn't tell us yet. <laughs> Might as <No>. well be. <laughs> Dario. <laughs> I, I like it. that it could be. Ag- so uh, my speculation of like, where do we go from here was that Cersei in a way is like the Night King where like it's, it's, it's a much more dangerous enemy because of these armies and and i thought well you know because with the night king you just you take him out the army falls it's not the same with cersei but mm. they're cell swords so it kind of is yeah mm-hmm. so then my new theory is that that uh that Braun takes her out with the crossbow because it'll be revealed after the fact that Tyrion made a better deal or something but yeah well that probably you know, wouldn't the- be very satisfying though I, I'm I'm really kind of perplexed by the tone of the preview for next time because I thought, you know, I, I said this when we talked yesterday about episode two, that the two ways I saw this battle going were either it's a total rout and we have everyone having to flee, retreat from Winterfell. Whoever survives is retreating south and the Night King's going to continue to advance and that's what happens. Or... We defeat the Night King, but the armies here in the north are so devastated that now they're vulnerable to the Golden Company coming up from the south under Cersei's command. Um, But even though everything in this episode would seem to suggest that's likely to happen, because there is no justification in this episode for there being any substantial army left. Left, yeah. Um, But... Unless they were lying about the more odds, like, you know, unless they yeah. were lying about the stakes that they went yeah. through so much trouble to show us. But yeah, but then the preview makes it look like the next episode is Danny saying, yes, and now we take the fight to Cersei. And I'm like, what? <laughs> How do you have any men left to do that? But okay, sure. All right, fine. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I'm sure there's more to it than that, but I, mm-hmm. I don't know. That was, that was the tone surprised me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it'd be very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so I guess we'll we will see. So an exhausting hour and change of television. Yes, with, uh, longest yeah. episode of the season of Game yeah. of Thrones ever. So uh, Paulette says the Night King wasn't actually playing Game of Thrones. He just wanted to end the world. Yeah. Um, Mike McCauley says the two dragons definitely help. And Dan D says Captain Strickland sounds like a Delta plot. A Delta Delta pilot. pilot. Yeah. I can read. (laughs) No, I I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So how do we, how do we rate this? Hmm. I, I, I I'm I don't know about you guys, but I, I'm going back down from the ten that I gave last yep. week. Um, I think I'm gonna still the highs were so high that I still am gonna I, I stick with uh um uh, uh, uh I'm just trying to think I'm struggling for a, a rating, but uh, eight mm-hmm. of ten um uh times that. Uh, I don't know. Arya is awesome. Eight of ten. Arya is awesome. Arya is awesome. Yeah, uh, that's that's my my rating uh, because I think that overall 
it was mostly exhausting, <laughs> which I wouldn't have necessarily given as high a rating to, but the things that were great were so great. And like, I, I'll even just briefly call out one that we didn't talk about. Cause we talked about how a lot of the dragon stuff was mm -hmm. kind of confusing and hard to see, yeah. but there were a couple of shots, man, where like the the ground level shot where the soldiers are looking up and seeing the fire lit, the, the zombie dragon and one of the other dragons, like grappling with each other, just mm -hmm. barely lit by the fires from the ground. Like some of that was freaking awesome. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. So the highs were so high that it, it elevates what was mostly a, a lot of it was also just kind of confusing and like, okay. And the, the battles were never my favorite in this show. Like I, I was always fine early on when, you know, people would complain. It's like, Oh, well we have an entire battle happen off screen. It's like, I'm fine with that because the battles are really just the tension engine that gives our characters reasons to have awesome conversations later. Yeah. And that's the part of the show that I like more. So uh, but yeah, eight out of ten. Aria is awesome. Is the rating? All right, and <laughs> Chooch. Um, I'm going. I'm going to give it nine out of ten. And I was also grasping nine out of ten. I'm going to say nine out of ten forgotten characters that we're never going to hear from or really truly know what happens to them, which okay. include. Robin Aaron and the red, the other red priestess and Ellen Payne and Salador San da Davos's pirate friend. What happened to him? Huh? Yeah. Jockin. Well, I, I he's think a person he's of color. So bye-bye. Right. Dario, he's going to be, he's out there. Yeah. Sirio's likely dead. So I don't know if he belongs on the list. Yeah. Or he could be Jockin. So who knows? Um, Illyrio Mopidos, often Pentos, you know, we never know what happened to him. And he like mm -hmm. had to know a lot of people and had to piss off a lot of people. And, uh, I'm going to give an honorable mention to Sir Pounce. Cause I have hope he's still alive. Oh. The, the, apparently the showrunners during some Q and a said, no, he's dead. But. Yeah. But it was also kind of a joking question given a joking answer. So, oh, okay. eh. But at the same time, I cannot possibly imagine any scenario that we could dis like, how would Sir Pounce, even if he is alive, ever come back into anything? Unless we just see him wandering around the Red Keep or something. <laughs> Final on the Iron Throne. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there you I go. I, I buy that. <laughs> Wait, I just was thinking about a knight can make a knight. What would that mean if Sir Pounce it's a knight. Like, I don't know. I don't have anything else there. I just suddenly thought of that. Gonna need some okay. armor. Night guard. Yeah. Uh, or sorry. Instead of mouse guard, it's um, uh, uh, cat guard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, did we have a rating from Viv? Yes. 100 out of 100 poetic aria moves. Ooh. And I'm going to give this a nine out of 10 Stick them with the pointy ends. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I have my nitpicks, but that, you know, Arya killing the Night King, that kind of throws mm -hmm. everything over the top for me. So, yeah. Certain things will fix a lot of other issues. Yeah. Viv's last well, note on that was that that leap was all waif, don't you think? She was trained <laughs> while blind and took down the waif in the dark. Wowza. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So Mike McCauley gives it nine out of 10 worthless fire trenches. 
Yeah. Uh, let me stick that in there because we do. I do keep uh, the the fan ratings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Paulette says the scene where the dragons are grappling above the clouds made me long for dragon riders of yeah. for dragon riders of Pern movie. Oh, yeah, wow. I, you know, I haven't I haven't read those books, but uh, I will certainly say that uh, the the discussions that have been had about like Targaryen history and the the dance of dragons, for example, just like I could totally see like. It is kind of like a dance, you know, the, yeah. the dragons fighting each other in the clouds. It's kind of, yeah, mm-hmm. they're clearly trying to evoke that. And it was effective. I thought Absolutely. I, I'll also complain a little bit, just that the worthless fire, the fire trench was not worthless because the tactic of every soldier in the war, except for the people directly going after the night King was just to buy time for everyone, the people yeah. going after the night King. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the idea of just slowing down the advance is all that ever any of the other they had one job yeah. yeah so it slowed them down for a little while is the best that any tactic could have ever hoped for yep <laughs> all right well that was good yay <laughs> yay on for next week which we have no idea by the way did yeah. we get a title for this one uh, the long night. The long night. Oh, uh, yeah. thank you, because I need that for my my spreadsheet. Uh, <laughs> I still didn't have it, so I as of yeah. last night. So mm-hmm. the long night. Yes. That's a good one. Yep. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> and uh, one of his parting shots. Favorite thing about this episode she read so far. On a scale from Bran Stark to Arya Stark, how much do you contribute to group projects? <laughs> 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 wow yep well that's it just ties right into that whole idea of like was work was brain actually doing something while he was working maybe we'll find out later although i suppose it also could be pointed out that the entire battle plan was his idea because he's the one that knew that the night king would come for him so you, so on that level you could say like he's he, it's like, what do you want him to do? Swing a sword around? Executive like, producer. Yeah. <laughs> I kept yeah. waiting for him to warg into <laughs> a dragon producer. or something, that's you perfect. know? Yeah. No, that's true. I think that I think people wondered about that. But uh, the executive producer is kind of like, <laughs> that's, well, yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing is that, like, he's the bait. Yeah. They deliberately had him out there in harm's way instead of down in the crypts or something because the whole plan was to draw out the Night King because that's the only way to win. So, you know, in that sense, like, even though he is passive in the moment, mm-hmm. his role in the battle is certainly significant. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Right. Cool. Well, and the exciting. thing, too, is like, you know, we've, um, I'm sorry, I'm just mm-hmm. keep going back into it. But this is one last thought of, here, here's a question to ask. You know, we've talked a lot about the idea that Bran does, doesn't seem to really even be fully human anymore, mm-hmm. doesn't seem to have any kind of emotions or anything, and yet he comes back out of warging just to tell Theon, you're a good man, thank you. So here's the question. Is that Bran actually taking a moment for human kindness as he knows his friend is about to die, or... Is that the thing he knows he needs to say to get Theon to do his part? <laughs> right. I think it was human kindness. Mm. I, I like to think that. I, I hope still a piece of human in there because yeah. what is the point of having all of human knowledge and history mm-hmm. if he's not still human somewhere? 
Yeah, mm. if if it's this idea that he's if he knows Theon is about to die and I'm right here, I can say something to make it a little easier. Yeah. Hmm. Well, yeah, I can totally see that. Yeah. Dan D in the chat uh yeah does ask Bran was the one who gave the Valyrian steel dagger to Arya, and that's yes. Yep. Because, you know, Littlefinger in his various machinations gave it to Bran. Um, and, you know, that was one of his more sort of chaotic <laughs> moves. Um, <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, yeah, so it was definitely, you know, as we talked about, it really does seem like Melisandre and Bran and everyone are kind of all on the same page at this point of saying... There was a lot of stuff that needed to happen to get everyone to this critical point where the Night King could actually be defeated once and for all. Yeah. Yep. Sweet. Yay. <laughs> now the end. All right. So, yeah, um, this is our new normal night. So, uh, next Monday, we'll be talking to everybody. Um, and, yeah, thanks for joining. And, uh, as always... Um, it's been a blast. I can't wait. I mean, I, I yeah. my mind just boggles. Like, okay, it's over. Yeah. That's like the big. Th that was the big thing. Like, yeah. But that's such a big thing. There's still facing. time for Cersei <laughs> to blow up all of King's Landing True. with wildfire. Yeah, we've yeah. got like four hours. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. <laughs> we'll talk to you next time. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Night. If you have feedback for the Beyond the Wall podcast, you can email us at btw at specficmedia.com. You can also leave us a comment on the website. Go to specficmedia.com where you'll find a shiny BTW button that'll take you right to our page. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, Sharealike, 3.0, Unported License. Feel free to share and remix. Just give us credit and don't charge money for it.